It probably doesn't hurt if they're 260 pounds of chiseled muscle either. <laughs> right. Right. Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. As always, I'm here with my good friend, Daniel, and uh, I'm Thomas, by the way, uh, one of the other knuckleheads on this podcast. So uh, good to have you back Other. with us for another episode. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <Other>. <laughs> I'm trying to be equitable here. <laughs> yeah. If I'm indeed. going to be a knucklehead, you're going to be one too. All right. No. <laughs> well, how are you this morning? I am doing well. And uh, yeah, looking forward to this uh, discussion. Be interesting yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, we'd first like to thank our patrons uh, over at patreon.com slash reason together. If you're unfamiliar with that, Patreon is a platform where people can go to financially support um, different content creations that they appreciate and enjoy and want to keep going. And uh, we are on Patreon um, and we have a number of supporters and we are grateful for every last one of them. If you'd like to become one, there are actually some perks that you receive for doing so. For instance, if you join up at the elite level, uh, you can not only get involved in the um, the patron-only message board, um, but you can also get a t-shirt out of that uh, for becoming an elite patron and also access to the after-show bonus content. So after every show, hence the name, uh, we continue the conversation with some more interesting uh, things and and uh, maybe some behind-the-scenes things at times. And uh, it's a little more, um, I don't know how to describe it, relaxed perhaps. Um, but that's available to elite patrons only. If you're interested in that, it's patreon.com slash reason together. Uh, and you can join up at the elite level. And there's other levels there too uh, for you to peruse. Uh, but we'd appreciate it if you would even consider it. All right. And uh, we jump in to our discussion. And we've got a couple main topics on the list here that we wanted to cover. Um, and I think they'll both be of uh, of interest. And so do you want to, which one would you like to jump in with first here today? Um, <clears throat> this one I've had on for several weeks. I think I might've even teased this, uh, in the last episode. Yeah. And, and it is the question of Christians in the military. And okay. the reason, the reason I ask this is because there, there is a common, uh, a, I guess a preconceived notion, and maybe it's not just preconceived, maybe maybe it's just a common notion um, amongst Christians that the military <clears throat> has some sort of corrupting influence on steroids uh, mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. so than anything else would. And, and mm -hmm. if you as a Christian parent send your child into the military if they're a conservative, separated Christian who's grown up with holy influences and you suddenly send them into the military, that somehow it's just going to wreck them and destroy them and that it would be a very foolish thing as a parent to do that. And and that's kind of the, the common notion. And I'm wondering, is that true? Um, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I, I've heard the same thing from somebody in the military myself several years back. I mean, a similar thing. And it wasn't don't go in the military. I think it was, uh, or maybe it was you know, that it's going to be tough. Uh, now, that being said, uh, I can think of three, uh, three young men, uh, a couple out of our church and, uh, and another one uh, close by who have, you know, recently in the last several years joined the military. And uh, so it doesn't, 
you know, it hasn't destroyed them. And um, so my, my thought would just be that they do have to be strong. And given the uh, weakness of many kids, um, and I'm not speaking physically, um, I'm just speaking emotionally and um, positionally, uh, I would say that a, they should at least be cautioned to say, hey, you better know what you believe and stand up for some things before you get in there and have to decide in the moment uh, under under the pressure of all these, you know, these men, and these guys and oh, come on, come on, you know, um, and know who you are. So I would say there that it's warranted in the sense that at least a caution is warranted that if you're going to go in, this is going to be tough, not only physically, not just mentally. But spiritually, it is going to be mm-hmm. tough. And in a similar way, if we, if you know, if I was going to send my kid to public school, I would have a have a conversation about, uh, you know, what he needs to watch out for, how he needs to be sure of himself, and he needs to start you know digging and 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 being salt in that uh, in that environment. Um, and I wonder if that's kind of compounded a little bit when somebody's, you know, screaming in your face and when it's an all men society in some ways, you know what I mean? That, uh, yeah. well, you know, I want to be a man and I want to, these guys are. Well, it may not be uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, as far as in your barrack, you know, you feel like, well, all these guys, you know, they, they're strong guys and they're, you know, the guys like me and I want, I want to be one of them. And well, okay, you got to, you got to know where you're at and, and who you are and what you believe and how to stand up for it. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, in preparation for this question talking with some Navy guys that mm-hmm. I know. We have several Navy guys in our church, uh, veterans, um, and, uh, mm. and and some more recent than others. And uh, I was getting their opinion about it. And then I was also talking with uh, a friend of mine from a different church who was in the Navy. I think he said, I think he said 40 years ago, mm. um, okay. if I remember right. Um, Chris, thank you for the info if you're listening. <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, I was asking all of them the same questions. Um, and, and kind of the answer was, was similar, but, mm. but unique in each way. Each guy had a kind of a different perspective of it. And one, uh, one thing that one of them said was, um, he thinks the benefits kind of outweighed the risks. And, mm-hmm. and if he was to send his son into the military today, he would have no problem with it uh, as long as his son is spiritually grounded, uh, mm-hmm. basically what you're saying there. Yeah. And and and, and he said, because out of that, you get basically a free uh, education, education that can be used <laughs> for things. And he's he himself has been working in that field for decades now after he's left the military and so on. Mm. And, and so so that was kind of one perspective. Another perspective I got was, was basically, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, hmm. um, because of the corrupting influence, um, that it would be very dangerous, uh, to send your kid into the military. But then he came back to me uh, a few days later, he says, I'd like to revise my answer. And, hmm. and he said, basically this, it depends on the kid. Yes. Yes. It depends on the kid. And I thought that was a, a very profound revision to his answer because, uh, he said, he said, not only does it depend on the kid, but not every branch of the military is created equal and uh, not every boot camp experience is created equal. And uh, he said, for instance, you know, the, the Marine Corps would be a very um, corrupting place in, in many ways. People would struggle more in that environment 
just because of the the, the nature of of grunts there um, and the things that they have to do. Whereas he said, for instance, the Air Force and the Coast Guard might be a different experience. And he was in the Navy. He's a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, so I think it would even depend on what branch of the military a young person is interested in going into. That would factor into the decision. Um, and of course I'm speaking as a non-military guy. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm just, I'm just getting the feedback from these guys who did it because I haven't. Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, there are variables in place here, the, whatever branch of the military you're talking about and, and the kid that you're dealing with. And then one of the guys at, at church said this, and this is perhaps, I think the best observation, uh, of all, he said, I think it also depends on the relationship the kid has with his parents. Hmm. So uh, I, apparently, and, and I don't know this for sure, but apparently while you're in boot camp and, and then in the military and such, um, <clears throat> or I, I guess as you say, particularly in boot camp, you do have the opportunity at times to contact people. Um, <clears throat> and, and he said, as long as this person has a good relationship with their parents and they can stay in communication with their parents for, for leadership and, and just to kind of uh, express their their thoughts and concerns to someone like minded um, mm-hmm. that 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 would help them a lot. Hmm. Now, can I, I'm curious as we're talking here. Do you do they indicate at all wh- where the corruption they 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 feel like would take place? Is it just generally like oh, it's just kind of a degenerate society, or is it in those? difficult moral decisions they have to make in battle scenarios. Is that? No, no. Um, that okay. that didn't factor into any of the conversations with the men I was talking to. Hmm. Uh, I think people go into the military understanding that there's different di- difficult moral decisions regarding human life. Um, okay. You know, I, I don't think the argument is a pacifist, you know, versus, you know, participant mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. type discussion. Um, you know, I, I'm not a pacifist and, and none of the men I spoke to are pacifists. So, so they're, that's not really the, 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 the discussion. It's more mm-hmm. to do with being around uh, an environment where, you know, testosterone runs high and, and guys are kind of aggressive with each other and Christians are in the minority. And, uh, there is a certain social pecking order that happens in which the Christian gets made fun of the guy at church was telling me. Oh yeah, Christians will get made fun of. Uh, he told he told me something that I guess is something we already know. But Christians is the, Christians are the the only social group, if you can call it that, that it yeah. is acceptable to make fun of in our right. society. <laughs> um, and he says you'll see that in the military. And he gave me examples of men he knew uh, when he was in the military. He wasn't a saved man. And uh, and he said, I knew some some men who were Christians and some of them brought stacks of, you know, Christian books to read with them. And and they kind of didn't participate in some of the other things. And and they got made fun of relentlessly. Um, so a Christian's going to have to have a thick skin. They're going to have to have some confidence, um, a, a, you know, a, a gravitas about them mm-hmm. to be able to to stand up in a social order like that. It probably doesn't hurt if they're 260 pounds of chiseled muscle either. <laughs> right. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, honestly, if it's the kind of this little wimpy kid and they're going to push them around versus yeah. this kid that's kind of beefy and other people are like, oh, I'm going to mess with him too much. Yeah. I imagine that has yeah. to have a little bit. <laughs> well, and, and also, you know, it's like 90% how you carry yourself. You know, even if a guy is mm. not super chiseled, if he carries himself with confidence yeah. and he can handle himself socially, 
and he mm-hmm. can communicate articulately. Um, you know, people will leave a confident guy alone more than a guy who seems kind of timid. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he said also, it's kind of like sending your kid to college in many ways, because when there's when they're not working, when they're not training, um, they go out and they and they do stuff. They go to bars and clubs mm-hmm. and all these other things. Yes. And, and he said there's often pressure to go with them and so on. So it's much like being in a fraternity at a college. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. the guy at church said it's just yeah, like college well, in, in that regard. And that is um, kind of that a fraternity, you know, I mean, it's yeah. just how, how good is that particular one going to be? <laughs> sure. And, and I asked him, I said, are there, are there things that for Christians to do? I mean, I mean, obviously they're, they're not going to want to go out to these bars and clubs, you know, are they just going to have to sit alone in some room somewhere? And he says, no, there's things you can do. In fact, there's organizations um, that are often nearby military bases. Um, and, and their church run ministries sometimes that help place men in the military in churches in the area. It they help, they help them find churches, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which I, I guess that's needful. Um, and a, as he was telling me this, I was thinking about, you know, you and I having this conversation, I think you and I are a little pickier about churches than probably mm-hmm. most people would be. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in some regards, I think a young person going into the military, especially if they've grown up in a good church, um, wouldn't, would possibly have to lower their expectations a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. cause even if you find a church that is pretty close to you doctrinally, attitude is a big thing and the style of ministry is a big thing and the style of preaching is a big thing. And, and I think that's rare. It's hard to find churches that tick all of those boxes. Um, yes, right. You might find find something that's um, according to their doctrinal statement what you believe, but the but the level of preaching and the general attitude or the you know ministry mindset yeah. is going to be different than maybe coming over here, where where their spirit seems different and and welcoming, and yet it's not everything you wish it was on the statement. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things to consider, and and I I I, I realize that any parent would feel like they're taking a risk, mm-hmm. taking their child who's been kind of in an environment of of innocence and holiness, and just sending them off to that. Um, there is a risk involved in that, and and if if the child does end up making some bad choices and going a wrong direction. Uh, I'm sure a parent might struggle with feeling personally responsible for that, Mm. but I I can't say it's, it's entirely a no go for everyone. Correct. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we should just kind of box off that sector of society and, uh, and and just say, no, I can't do that. You know? Um, yeah, I don't see why that would make sense. Yeah. But it was an interesting, uh, interesting question to ask um the military guys i know and i appreciate all of them giving me their thoughts on it um mm-hmm. if you're listening and and you were in the military or even are in the military yes sure um, absolutely we would love to hear your feedback on this um we'd love to hear some of the things you struggle with if you're willing to share that and and how you pr- how you approach those challenges as a christian we'd love to hear that um especially now thinking with so many things going the way they are 
people in in military academies are being uh, taught uh, critical race theory, and there's of course transgenderism ideology being crammed down pretty much every channel of public life, um, and the military is no exception to that. So so there's challenges of even having to assent to things you don't agree with. And, uh, and how do you deal with that uh, as someone in the military? We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Send those to reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com, uh, if you would, please. And uh, we would appreciate it. Very good. Um, the, next, uh, the next thing we wanted to deal with, um, honestly, as, as I, I, I was pretty unfamiliar with it. I hadn't, it it's, it's a fairly new break, but I hadn't uh, really looked into it. And when I did, I'm telling you, I was um, stunned isn't quite the word, um, but bothered. I, I, I truly was bothered by it um, as I considered the future of it and, and what it makes our world look like. And that is um, with the recent kind of uh, release of the concept of the metaverse, uh, Facebook mm-hmm. changing their, their, you know, I guess if you say the parent company name to Meta, Mm -hmm. and then kind of projecting, pun not necessarily intended, um, their their uh, intent for the next, you know, ten years of technology, what they're driving to do, what this could look like, how it would integrate lives, you know, via the use of a of a headset, you know, um, a, a VR headset in a sense. What does life look like that way? Um. And it was very interesting. Somebody sent us a link um, that also kind of took that concept and showed you what it could look like in real life. And that's Mm -hmm. where it really got grave to me. Like, wow. Um, Before I go on much about it, though, do you want to kind of say anything else about this? Yeah. Well, there was kind of a serendipitous uh, moment here uh, that we had to capitalize on. And that is that um, at the very same time, someone sent us this question. One of our patrons sent us this question about the metaverse. At the very same time, one of our blog writers, um, Pastor Brian Balsamo, who also happens to be my brother, um, and uh, he's a pastor in Staten Island, he he sent us in his article – for the, for the blog. And it was an article on transhumanism. Yeah. Um, transhumanism. Yeah. So like within a day or two, I think it was, we got this blog article and we got this question from one of our patrons and it just kind of seemed to fit. So we figured we ought to tackle this subject. Um, before we, we, we get into it too much. Um, I wanted to ask you if you've ever read, uh, or heard of the book ready player one. I have not. <clears throat> You've not, not. Well, okay. other than in the question, no, I have not. Okay. Have you? I have. Um, okay. I actually read this book a number of years ago um, hmm. when it came out, just out of curiosity, because uh, I I was a a child of the uh, late eighties and, and early nineties, <laughs> and uh, I was told that this book is very much kind of an homage to that time period, and uh, and hmm. it is in some ways. Uh, though there are some cultural references that even I didn't get um, in it, but it's essentially a a book about the future in in which the world is basically this dystopian nightmare, and nobody really interacts in person anymore. They all mm. have these little mm. rooms in their houses that they go. 
uh, or some place where they go, where they put on a set of virtual reality goggles and haptic gloves, and eventually in the story, entire haptic suits that they wear. Um, mm -hmm. A haptic glove or a haptic suit is just something that that helps you feel something that isn't there by applying yes, pressure right. to your hand or different parts of your body, so you can so feel like, something. You can feel a virtual high five or something like that. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and these are being developed right now, and yes. um, mm -hmm. um, and, and with some success. So. So everyone goes into this virtual world they call the Oasis and they interact with their each other's avatars there and and nothing is is real anymore and and you don't even know who you're talking with because there's anonymity in this Oasis. Um so you're looking at some robot or some dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, who who you're talking to. It's not even it's not it doesn't even depict them physically. And and, yeah, right. and their name is just a username. So there are no real humans, it seems anymore uh, in the world. And they go to school in this oasis and they go shopping in this oasis and they, they buy virtual things, you know, all, it's just, everything is, is virtual. Um, this metaverse concept that Mark Zuckerberg is creating is kind of that it's, it's basically that. Um, yes. Did you look at the, uh, the links that, our patrons sent to us. Uh, yes. And one was kind of a summary video of, I, he probably, he had a longer presentation of this, I guess, but that summary video, I, I caught a couple things. Um, I, I, I typed a couple things that he said at one point, he said, he was talking about, you know, books and different items of your physical world. He said, you'll be able to take your items and project them into <clears throat> the physical world as holograms and augmented reality too. So you're talking about kind of a, a mix for, you know, in some ways a virtual reality, but not so much, you know, I mean, along with that, you've got augmented reality where it's mm -hmm. seeing what actually is and yet imposing what is not, but is sort of there digitally. Um, right. And then another well, man came on and talked about building mixed reality experiences. Right. For yep. for our listeners who who don't know, augmented reality is different than virtual reality. Yes. Um, right. So so virtual reality, everything you're seeing is projected in front of you, and you don't see the real world that's closed off to you by the goggles. Whereas augmented reality, uh, you're viewing things overlaid on the world around you. Um, so imagine that of, you know you're you're talking to your friend, and you can uh, you can see them. Uh, you can actually see their person and yet then you see a little digital bird on their shoulder, you know, right? or right. you see a, a fake a hat on their head. <laughs> yeah. Or a pop-up message or notification in the real world. Right. Uh, yeah. True. Kind of like uh, Google Glass. Do you remember when that came out? Do you remember that? Mm -mm. Uh, it was basically a set of glasses that had a tiny little prismatic, um, basically um, a heads up display is what it was. Um, that showed notifications in front of your eye. So you could still mm. see the world around you, but you had this little heads up display right in front of one of your eyes or just off to the side a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but this would be taking that several steps further where oh, yeah. in, in the one video link that our listener sent to us, um, it gave an example that someone made of what the metaverse would look like. And they're, they're, they're taking the bus and they're getting off the bus and they're going shopping and the entire world around them is just plastered with moving digital things and yes. pop-up notifications and advertisements. It just looked like the most chaotic and stressful type of world you could possibly imagine. 
Um, and yet so it conveyed it, and I think justly so, as something to which the person uh, living that way became dependent. Um, it was like a, it was like what they offered digitally was a stress relief. Like so, she walks into the grocery store and has a cart, and it offers for her to you know have this whatever you want to call it you know virtual pet, and so she clicks yes, and. And then the little pet appears on the end of the cart, you know, so while right. she's wheeling her cart through the grocery store, there's this little pet on the end and she's got notifications on the end and she's got, you know, a line down the middle of the store and she's got this and this lighting. And, but, but then when it's gone, it's almost like it brings her into a state of panic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and yeah. I guess partly it was because of this whole point system, but it was just interesting. And isn't that though, to some degree, what you may see that people become dependent on technology and it really does feed them. And, uh, and, uh, and all of a sudden when it's gone, it's like, there's this anxiety. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It, it well, really was. Anxiety was one of my first responses to this was basically, you know, <laughs> great, more screens. That's really what Christians need right now is more screens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never imagined that, that discipling people regarding screen addiction would ever be a real thing that we do. And yet mm. it's happened multiple times where that's been part of pastoral discipleship, at least in my ministry. Um, mm. Screen addiction is a real thing. And it's, and, and I don't, I, I think it's naive to think that that's only a problem with unsaved people. Um, Christians are doing oh, this yeah. too, and they're getting sucked into this. And one of the articles that uh, I read on this uh, essentially said Back when Facebook started, um, we didn't know what it was going to become. We didn't know what it was. And everyone just kind of jumped in with both feet thinking, oh, great, a, a social platform where we can connect with friends. Yeah. And the monster that it's become kind of teaches us that that maybe if we could go back, if if we could do things over again, we might have rejected the concept of Facebook whole cloth because of the, the turmoil and trouble, anxiety. Um, conflicts, uh, contentions, all the things it's caused, we might have just snuffed that out at the, at the outset. And, and, but we didn't have that opportunity because it was all so new. So now new, what we're seeing what, yeah. is essentially the opportunity to do the same. And mm -hmm. I want every listener, if they can, to, to think through this real hard. This yes. is the next Facebook. This is the next social platform. And we have an opportunity to get in on the ground floor standing against it, not for necessarily moral reasons, though I think some could be argued, um, but for practical reasons. If we don't disciple people about this now before it's fully developed, it's going to be the next Facebook where Christians are sucked into an addictive platform that creates nothing but stress and anxiety and social conflict and a lack of real fellowship. Um, and I have to say more than that, it, it, it's, it's like another Facebook times 10, um, because mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, you know, somebody just sitting in their living room, scrolling through their phone on their couch because, because of the nature of being such an immersive experience that it truly engulfs your world. Right. Um, you know, it, it is your field of vision. I think it is very captivating and mm -hmm. would have uh, an even more powerful influence than just little widgets on my screen or little notifications on my screen. Now they essentially are my line of sight. 
and right. and it doesn't it's not just a i see i'm looking at a movie of a pretty place it's like i'm living in a pretty place i'm right. living in 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 the in, in the world of my imagination though i'm at the same time living in my real world it really is going to complicate things and i i had to you know thinking about this and 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 looking to the future um kind of the, the phrase came to mind how do you become a missionary to the metaverse because <laughs> Um, because if you have a hard, sounds like folly. Uh. If you, if you have a hard time now getting people to recognize reality, how much more when people are walking around with their headsets on and you're just, you know, you're actually a human, but there's so many digital things and there's so many overlays and there's so many notifications and little things going on in, in their, um, in their world that yeah, how, how do you get into that world now right. do you say oh well i know as a, as churches we need to develop our own um augmented reality app so that we can be a part of that world too well is that where you right. find us i will probably say yeah that's what we need to do you know well, uh, we need to get in I there actually and- i had someone tell me this about facebook uh years ago mm-hmm. and uh because i i bailed out of social media a while back and a pastor told me that um, he stays on there because he he uses it for evangelism purposes, mm-hmm. and and by that you know I I never witnessed him actually you know evangelizing on there. Oftentimes he would just you know rebuke other Christians, and and that was kind of his thing, and and uh, that's what Facebook became. But for those Christians who try to evangelize on Facebook, I'd be curious to hear if there was ever any uh, you know real reasonable way that that was done. But honestly, you know, when you look at social media, the the people who try to witness on social media are just kind of viewed as crazy and, and a little loopy. And, um, it, it, because there's no, there's no human to human presentation of what you're saying. Mm. Right. It, it lacks that, that real, that real contextual element where you can see this other person is a rational person, uh, not just some ranting lunatic, um, and, and I think, I think it's, it's folly for us to think that we can use something like social media to really be evangelizing on there in any meaningful way. Mm. Um, I, I just don't think it's, it's going to happen. I think it's, uh, to me, a, a kind of a, a term or a couple words, you know, that really, um, highlight what this is and, and, and really just show that this is this is just an explosion in a sense uh, of a problem that's always existed is the concept of alternate reality. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you understand that reality, you know, another word for reality would be truth. Mm -hmm. And so as we're, as we are presenting truth, um, we're, we're presenting reality, but there are so many people trying to live in alternate reality. And they may be doing it without the goggles. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's their preconceived notions. It's what they think. It's what they've always believed. Uh, or, and largely maybe the screens, you know, um, well, I say in part, it may be the screens of the, the things that they've watched on movies, the, the, um, environments that they're developing so deeply in the digital world that that that's, that's their escape mechanism. That's their reality. And to mm-hmm. try to come, come at it with, actual real life you know and truth right um is well, I, was, uh, 
you know, so that's been, that's been something of the prophets of old, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking Jeremiah, sure. you know, and he's prophesying and they're like, no, no, no destruction's coming. The prophets have said we're at peace, you know, and whatever. <laughs> and and then Babylon comes and just totally annihilates. Um, you know, they were living essentially in an alternate reality. Right. And, and, and they're busy doing it. <laughs> and, and I was trying to think of some scriptures that could come to bear in, in this discussion. And one of the ones that came to mind was Romans chapter one. Um, where it speaks of the, the reprobate mind there. And it, and it says, and in verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Hmm. And, and, and two words kind of popped out at me there. And that is the words, even as. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Meaning they're, they're busy about things in order hmm. to remove the thought of God from their knowledge. They, they stay distracted. They stay busy, even as presumes that there's activity going on. They're doing something else when instead they should be retaining God in their knowledge, but they wouldn't. And, and, and I think that verse speaks to distractedness in some way. And, and I think that's what our culture is doing is that even as they do yeah. not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gives them over to a reprobate mind. They're purposefully distracting themselves from thinking about reality. <clears throat> and and I think about <clears throat> um or I thought as I studied kind of about this, um this this um uh, what do we call it? I, I keep losing that word, not virtual reality, but augmented. There it mm -hmm. is. Um, you know, it's uh as I watched that one video and watching somebody, you know, wheel around the grocery store with a virtual animal on their cart. You know, and, and then she's talking, you can hear there's a little bit of talking, there's communicating with what she sees or her frustration, or I can imagine, you know, you're going to talk to the dog or whatever. Well, nobody else can see the dog, um, assumedly, you know, cause that's, that's your world. Um, so how do people outside of your headset have to adapt to your augmented reality? And honestly, that goes to even the discussion now when people, when, young people now are, are living in their own reality of what they think and what they're just pumping into their head and into their mind. And then the world looks different to them. And how do people outside of their head adapt to their augmented reality? But to me, one of the problems I see is you essentially act schizophrenic because you're living in two worlds at once. Right. And it's, well, that's already it's happening. Strange. And that can't, I mean, and how can that sound, how can that sound healthy? Then I thought about um, the sin of Jeroboam. <clears throat> Have you ever thought about that? Um, it, it's interesting, right at the point of the divided kingdom, um, God promises Jeroboam, basically said, Jeroboam, I'm going to give you 10 of the tribes. I'm going to rip them out of the hands of Solomon or actually Solomon's son. Um, and I'm going to give you 10 tribes. And if you'll obey me, and you'll follow my ways and obey my commandments. You know, I will basically stay, I'll make you stable. I'll secure you in that kingdom. Mm -hmm. But Jeroboam feared and he, he felt like if, if I let the people go back down into the southern two tribes, you know, into Jerusalem where they're supposed to worship, and I let them worship, um, they're gonna, their heart's going to be turned back and they're not going to want me. They're going to kill me. And so he, because of that insecurity and the need to hold on to that authority that he had, he developed an alternative for their worship. Um, and um, it, it was an alternative that paralleled the real. 
he, he made the golden calves and said, these be thy gods that brought thee up out of Egypt. You know, and I think in some ways he was presenting that. He was presenting this golden calves. And, you know, they're still Elohim. They're still the God that brought you up. And you'll still worship just a different place. You know, it's too far for you to go down there. And, and we'll still have a feast, just not on the same day, maybe. And, and we'll have a priesthood. It's just not the same priesthood. You know, it's like what you're used to, but different. Um, and um, and this, this augmented reality is kind of all offering you an alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can be somewhere that you're not. And you can have things that you don't. And, mm-hmm. and things can exist that don't really exist. And, and it's like the real, but it's different. You yeah. know, and it's an alternative patterned after real. But the, but the thing is, is that you're not living in the real. You're not, you're right. not accepting what is actually true about the world. What is true about sure. me? Who am I? How do I interact? What is my design? Where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. Um, so there's well, the, the, the issue of reality is so important. Sure. Well, I mean, the scriptures do speak to this this trend of, <clears throat> excuse me, this trend of human beings trying to cast off the reality of God uh, for an alternate reality. Sure. Um, I was thinking Psalm chapter two, uh, verses two through five, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord yes. and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Um, mankind has been trying to do this for generations. And the internet is essentially, as as my brother pointed out in his article, and I encourage you to go read this, the internet and especially the social media aspect of the internet and now the metaverse is the next Tower of Babel. It is the new Tower of Babel. It is man's attempt to do things outside of the purview of God, to be their own God, to create immortality, to create their own reality, to create their own right and wrong, and so on. Um, But Psalm 2 reminds us how God responds to this. It says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Uh, Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. We've seen from the fruits of social media already, the fruits of it is that people are vexed. Uh, the suicide rates are through the roof. Anxiety mm-hmm. rates and depression rates are through the roof because people are already living in two different worlds. Mm-hmm. There's this social media presence that they have, and then there's who they really are. Yeah, And yeah. they're not the same. And I think that's why, for instance, uh, there's a trend that conservative, truly conservative Christians don't really engage a ton on the internet. Because they realize that in a sense, they are presenting a false self. They are putting their best foot forward in a way that they can't do when they're in public, right? There's more vulnerability in in true public life. Um, so you, you'll find that truly conservative people tend to engage less uh, on the internet. Uh, it's just kind of a trend. Um, <clears throat> but you know, as far as how I would counsel Christians going forward with this metaverse thing looming in the next five to 10 years... Um, Here's here's the counsel that that I would give if if anybody asks for my two cents, Proverbs one sixteen, <laughs> for their mm. feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives. Basically, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Mm. Um, this this is this is a thing that is in, inherently bad in my opinion for humanity. Don't be one of those Christians who runs into it, who just rushes to it. Um, and you know, you'll eat the fruit of your own way. <laughs> that's, mm. I think that that'll be the result. 
Well, and I, I'm thinking of Philippians 1, 9, uh, where he says, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So right. it's, it's, in other words, just don't rush and, oh man, that's cool, neat, oh great, yeah, that's the newest thing, let's run into it. Whoa, you go into it with your antennas up and you think and you process and you reason together about this right. thing, what are the dynamics? And there's, there's, right. there's much more that we could sure. say. And there's, Who's I think so we need to- Whoso diggeth the pit mm. shall fall therein, and he that rolleth the stone, it will return upon him. I think we need to link that article that was sent to us um, about this, that I thought was well written, which brings up some more ideas. I mean, if you think the idea of, you know, uh, people's identity is an issue now, what about oh, like yeah. you said earlier, when I can be, I can be a robot, you know, I can be a, I can be sure. a, 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 a ghost, I can be a whatever, you know what I'm saying? It, I can be anything I want to be. And so it gets, it, it draws the attention off of what God made me and how I'm supposed to steward my body and how I'm presented as a person, because now I've adopted this alternate reality about myself and I'm a, an avatar and that's my, that's my beautiful body. That's what I wanted to make myself. Well, wait, yeah. what did God make you? See, that's an alternate reality and it's rejecting God's design for my design. And really that's always inside the parameters of the programmers. I think, well, yeah. I can do what I want to. No, nah, it's still within inside the, inside the, the boundaries of the program. Right. Well, that was Satan's lie from the beginning. Ye shall be as gods. Hmm. That was his lie from the beginning. And I think something mm -hmm. like the metaverse is essentially training people to think they are not only immortal, but invincible. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I think it's, it's gonna, it's folly. It's folly. Some of the, uh, some of the reaction to this online was fascinating because mm -hmm. I think we're, we're in a place in our world now where even um, non-Christian people are starting to see the the inherent problems with social platforms and what they've done to the world. Um, I'm going to read you some of the, uh, some of the comments uh, from this um, that was just under the, the, the YouTube link that was sent to us about the metaverse uh, where Mark Zuckerberg does his little presentation. Uh, one of the top comments was, well, I can't wait to tell my kids what the real world was like. So someone's acknowledging mm -hmm. there that their kids are going to get sucked into this. And, and just mm -hmm. like we now tell our kids what it was like, before cell phones, people are going to be telling their kids what it was like back when we lived in the real world. <laughs> yeah. And can I, let, let me interrupt here just with a little bit of humor. I don't know if you saw this, but I thought this was a, for, for all the, the um, concern that this conjures up and rightly so, somebody took to making a point in a funny way. But did you see that video this guy made instead of metaverse, it was called Icelandverse? No, <laughs> no, I didn't see that. And so it's this really professionally put together and it's got the background music and he's uh, and he's taking a, a, a jab at the fact that I live in reality and I live in, uh, in this place. Look, you can see it. No, literally you can see it. And he looks out his window, you know, and there's, <laughs> there's, there's horses with real hair that you can feel and there's moss on the ground. Don't touch it though. It's delicate and it's cold yeah. and the blah, blah, blah. And there's water that's wet and, you know, and he's, 
um, he's taking a stab at the fact that I live in the real world and uh, we call it Iceland version. <laughs> right. Iceland. Yeah. But, uh, and it was just a few minutes long, but it was, uh, it was a kind of funny take on Yeah. Well, I was, uh, some of the, some of the other top comments from this was, uh, yeah, the lo- the logo is literally a loop, an infinite loop that you can't escape once in. <laughs> so they're, they're already recognizing the addictive nature, uh, that this mm. will be. Uh, one of the other people that commented on this actually uh, said, don't get me wrong, 20 years ago, I would have been all for this. That is until I realized that it was being, wasn't being developed to benefit mankind, that it was always the product of a deeply disturbed agenda. And I think that's yeah. what people forget. Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook do not have a good agenda in mind. Um, in the absence of being able to control people's reality, they take instead to creating people's reality, which then they can control. That is what Facebook is a microcosm of, and that's what the metaverse is going to be the macrocosm of. Um, Ultimately, it's going to control every aspect uh, of your your life, and and it'll be with an evil corporation at the head of it. Um, (laughs) And and also, you can sit in your comfy sweatpants. and, and do nothing. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it can complicate life um, as far as making it chaotic. But I thought it also funnels you to a pre-programmed response and enslaves your focus. You know, Cal Newport, even on a secular level, talks yes. about focus um, and 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 the uh, the effect of social media on that or even notifications and, and media yeah. uh, squanders your energy, you know, Rob's real experiences. There's a lot, to, a lot to talk about here. Yeah. Any Cal other Newport's comments there book, you want to talk about? Uh, yes. No, Cal Newport's book, Digital Minimalism is uh, an amazing read. I think everyone ought to read that. Um, it'll change the way you think about Facebook and, and Instagram and social media and the internet and technology in general. Um, and he gives you direct quotes from people within those organizations about their own intent for you, the user. And it's mm. a little scary. Um, <clears throat> so I encourage everybody to read that. Um, and uh, if you're interested, there's an article that summarizes it and uh, a book review on it over at thomasbelsamo.com. Shameless plug. All right. There you, there you <laughs> um, go. <laughs> but yeah, the, all of this, I think, plays into the uh, the transhumanism article that my brother wrote in that it is man's attempt to be God for himself. And, um, I think, uh, I think really the two conversations, um, mesh quite well, the conversation of the metaverse and transhumanism. Which is interesting because we're coming right off of, uh, in a sense, transgenderism. Oh my goodness. Can you believe it? Picking your own gender. Everybody knows that you're and all of a sudden, boom, the conversation is already to transhumanism that now, you know, it's that idea. And by transhumanism, are we saying that? Now I can basically decide whether I'm human or not even, let alone whether I'm a man or a woman, or is it saying I'm trying to get beyond my humanity? To transcend humanity. I transcend, think that's the idea. okay. To transcend in the way that God does. Because in some ways it's even uh, to decide uh, in what way that I'm human. Um, you know, that in some ways, I just as people say, well, I, I don't identify as a man or as a woman or as a whatever you know to, to even think well i don't identify as a human you know or something it i just thought what's going to be the future like uh i'm the i'm this digital hippopotamus you know and I'm like yeah i've always wanted to be a hippopotamus you know or something and i know it sounds silly but um to just say yeah. i can literally be whatever i want to be um 
Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that's what you're saying, transcending humanism, or excuse me, humanity in, uh, in multiple ways. There's, there's a touch of omnipresence. Right. Uh, there's a touch of omniscience, uh, omnipotence. There's just uh, interesting. Yeah. And we, we Christians have an opportunity to get ahead of this. Um, now that we've seen what Facebook does, um, we can get ahead of this now and start discipling your kids. There you Start go. discipling your churches. Um, Start the discussion now. Do the research. Talk about it. Uh, develop a philosophy of life that encompasses what to do about the metaverse. Yes. Very good. Right. So take a look at the show notes today. Give us your feedback. Uh, if you've got some thoughts here, other angles uh, we haven't seen, your personal reactions to it or concerns, reason together podcast at gmail.com. Well, thank you once again for being with us on this episode. We're going to move into the after show bonus content now. So if you're an elite listener, uh, you'll can, you can join us over there. If not, go over to patreon.com slash reason together and sign up to be an elite member and you can get the after show uh, in which we've got a few more things to uh, talk about today. Uh, anyway, for now, we are encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is reason together.